Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Threshing swain, put down your scythered blade. Didst thou not see the sun breaking bread with the crescent bell? It is time now to slake thy tongue, wipe thy brow, and hang thy breton on the hook. Rest awhile, thy sen, in the moon underwater. I thought it was about that time of day, I have to say, because uh, the shadow from the, uh, I guess, what would you call it? The old sundial has uh, begun to play its merry dance upon the pint glasses, Robin. I thought I'd see you emerging from the the depths, de profundis, of the bar. Thank you. I just realised in, in a former pub quiz in The Moon Underwater, one of the questions was, what's the name of the object on a sundial? And I've forgotten. So it's just gone in the mists of time. It's probably, a. I would imagine, it's something like a Bastillion would be its name. But does that mean I'm losing things, losing memories, drifting into the mist? Yes, sort of the memories go forever, I'm afraid, unless you wrote it down on a spreadsheet or something. It will be on a Google Doc. A Google Doc in the other realm, but what... Well, I mean, what would be the equivalent here Well, a Google it, Doc? Of a, the, the equivalent of a Google Doc? Yeah. Well, there'll be a kind of overall kind of realm-based software for emailing spreadsheets and documents. Like like OpenOffice? Yeah. It'll be Realmware. You re- <laughs> yeah, you've got it on the Realmware, man. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, it'll be on the Realmware. Uh, did you see the River Folk earlier? Yeah, I loved them. Because it was the first dawning of the, um, obviously, the, the spring sun, and the River Folk came down past the back of the moon underwater here. So and small. I have to say... So small and dressed so gaily. Yeah, they really, really are, yes. Uh, they really put on a show with their... Well, what would you call it? Uh, Doily-like wear. Doily-like wear, yes, absolutely. I mean, they don't know their doilies, of course. No. That's why everyone hides their doilies when they're coming through, because they don't want to embarrass them, which I think is quite nice. A river person's dress is another man's doily, is the phrase. That's the phrase. We've got it written here um, on some of the beams. <laughs> 
here at the Moon Underwater, of which I, John Robbins, am the landlord, and he, Robin Allender, is the regular. And uh, it's a delight to be sitting in this uh, evening sun because we've got a guest on their way. And um, I can hear the sound, Robin. Mm. Go on. <laughs> Probably sometimes I don't know what this thing is until I start the sentence. Really? I don't know what the you sound don't, is you don't prepare at all. <laughs> I can hear the sound, Robin, of... Uh, you know when the, tr- the trees in the... Um, in the woodland, they have a little growth spurt every so often. Yeah, apparently you can hear you can you can hear rhubarb. Yeah, well, I can hear the trees here because they they're creaking away. They're putting a spurt on mm. to impress this week's guest, as he. Uh, I have to say, I can just caught caught him outside. He's sauntering. Yeah, and he's taking in his surroundings because um, he's obviously wanted to make the most of his time in the correct realm. But into the door. Through the door. He went into the door initially, he's banged his head, he's now coming through the door. It's broadcaster and journalist extraordinaire, Tony Livesey. Hello, Tony. Gentlemen, hello. Thank you very much for the invite. Pleasure to be here. I say that, but can I do the first thing I do when I always walk into a pub? And that is scan the room for psychopaths. Oh. Because I'm, I am not staying. I have a, I have a, um, a, a radar for psychopaths. And I've, ever since... I. One of the first pubs I ever went into in Burnley was the Coach and Horses, and I found one half of the country and Western duo wrestling with a regular on the floor on a carpet of broken glass, and I just turned around and went out. Are you a, are you, are you a table mover? If, like, this guy's a bit weird, will you move yep. table till you find the right place? Yes, I'm a pub lever. I don't even put a table between us. I'm off. I've, I've, off. Seen, I've seen so many things in pubs in my life. But this one sounds, feels great, smells great, looks mm. great. It's got everything going for it, I would say. We'll pull up a pew, Tony. Would you, do you like to sit at the bar? Are you a booth man? I wouldn't sit on a pew. I once bought a pew for my own home and never sat on it once. No, I'm not a pew man. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fidgeter in a pub, actually. So I, I probably wouldn't sit still for very long. I like to bob about, see what's going on. I'm certainly not a stool man. I mean, uh, later on, we might talk about things we do, we like to see and not see in a boozer, but a stool is not is not very welcome as far as I'm concerned. I don't even know the point. Why did you buy a pew for your own house? Do you never go through that period in your life where you might go to a, like an antique fair? You hear there's a bloke at work selling pews from a church and you feel that might just look great in one corner mm. of the dining room and then you get it and you never sit on it and that was the case my girlfriend's after a pew don't don't whatever soft furnishings that you find and generally you've got to custom make them for a pew they just don't work i often whenever i watch antiques shows they always say that like big wooden furniture is hard to shift and quite cheap and you think oh my god can you believe that welsh dresser's only 100 quid and then you're like well, yeah, of course, because it's a complete pain in the ass, and it takes up loads of space. Correct. That's why pianos are free a lot of the time. Yeah, I've got a piano I can't shift. They're all doom-laden. Big, heavy furniture is just doom-laden. They mm. set a mood that I, that I don't find welcoming at all. I think you need an absolutely enormous house to sort of fit that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think a, a pew would dominate my house. Yeah, and it's very hard as well, if you want to change the mood, to upcycle a pew as well, really. They're fit for one thing only, aren't they? Uh, it's to force people on their knees in church. That's why they make pews as they do, or else people just be sat back um, having a fag. Mm. Now, speaking of sitting back and having a fag, Tony, I mean, we speak to each other regularly uh, because Ellis and I have a show before yours on a Friday, you and Claire on Drive, the flagship show. You are a voice of 
sense, can I say. You are very relatable, very warm. The conversations we've had about your life outside of radio seem, you know, you're not a man who asks for a great deal. You sort of keep yourself to yourself. And yet you spent 10 years in the 90s peddling what I can only describe as hardcore pornography. (laughs) Well... Uh, if you say when, when you mean when I edited a national newspaper, uh, of which uh, if you accuse me of that, then I would I would be guilty of an offence. And I'm uh, so no, I, I admit you know you, you headlines such as aliens turn my son into a fish finger, uh, donkey robs bank. Uh, they were they were they, they sound was, like they sound like headlines from the day to day. They, yeah, Donkey Rob's Bank was a front page splash. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, a true, an absolutely true story. Is it really? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In in, in Mexico, some uh, think about this. It's 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 actually you know it's a it's a blueprint for for criminal success. They sent a donkey into a bank laden with explosives, and and with a note attached saying, you know, put some money in the in the in the saddlebags or the donkey blows up in the bank. So. The, the robbers were clear at this point. And so they did. They loaded up the saddlebags and the donkey trotted out. Wow. The logic is undeniable. Imagine if they just followed that donkey and he just went home to his donkey family. It turned out it was just the donkey all along. Well, I've, I've never thought about that. Actually. Well, you could have had a job on my paper, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with, those, with those skills, you'd have been chief reporter within a week. I'm fascinated by because it was the Daily Sport, wasn't it? Daily and Sunday Sport, yeah. yeah. And I, what's the sort of mood in the office? Is it like, it must be, people must be laughing constantly. That's what it was. There was a, a semi-famous, infamous at the time, in 1997 it was. Channel 4 did a fly-on-the-wall documentary on the paper called Sex, Lies and Aliens. And uh, at the time, believe it or not, and it meant a lot to us at the time, it was really well-reviewed, A.A. A. Gill and all these kind of people were saying, I want to work at that paper. But what was important to me was it showed that it was full of young people and that 40% of the staff were women, which at that time wasn't a given, certainly on a national newspaper. And we set out to think, well, if we're having a laugh, then the, then the readers are going to have a laugh. And, that, and that, was the, that was the object of the matter. And so I consider myself a bit, you know, I don't think I've had a proper job all my life. Uh, and a lot of that, a lot, it was a lot of stress getting a national newspaper out. But whatever you think about it, we still carried the news of the day and we had to respond to all sorts that was happening in the world at the time. But it's also a, a, a lot of stress to make people laugh. It's difficult. Not easy. Not easy. I mean, if there was ever a big, like, major world event, did you kind of think, should we do the donkey or should we... Yeah, no, uh, exactly that. We, the, You know, the many events... Off, you know, let, let's be honest. It's a bit, bit like the sun and the star in the in past. I mean, we are going back to the nineties now. You know, a good looking pin up on the front page sold papers. But there were there were obviously there were moments in time in history. Nine eleven, Diana, Dunblane, all sorts of events which we would appear on the shelves as as any other newspaper. Yeah, we 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 knew when we were needed and knew when we were not. Let's put it that way. Did you find that people who like didn't know inside of the company? Did they have a sort of view of you as a as a professional that you sort of had to shed in later life? Or is it just, you know, this guy's edited a national paper? That's not many people have done that. Put it this way, at the BBC, my career change has gone through the, the biggest 180 degrees I think anybody ever has. But, you know... I'm all for giving people different chances in life, and I think I've earned it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a journalist at heart. I started off as a cub reporter back in 1983, 
Uh, and, you know, with a lot of people over the years tried to attack what we're doing on the paper or what the paper represented and things like that. But I think actually those are people, a lot of it, who didn't read it, didn't enjoy it. I mean, a lot of people I work with now read that paper, love that documentary, that kind of thing, you know, and it was a different time and I, and I acknowledge that and everything I do on the show now reflects uh, how times have moved on. And I guess it puts you quite in touch with with people, with people who read newspapers. And I guess that's just reflected in how easy and open the the radio shows you do are yeah i tell well i tell you what the, the, the you know newspapers definitely hone your journalistic instincts and you haven't time for a lot of preambles so so one of the skills i think i've got is just to, to be able to distill a story down to its barest moments and, and the most interesting things that i think interest what i always call ordinary people and by that i don't mean anything derogatory because i'm an ordinary person i've always worked on the maxim in life not, not just the paper there but other papers i've worked on if it interests me it's interesting and, I, and you know, so on, th- on that basis, I think I'm a good judge. I'm, I don't think that's bragging about anything. I just I think, I think I'm a good judge of, of, you know, you could interview someone for half an hour and not ask one interesting question. I like to, I, I like to, you know, I've got three or four minutes on drive and I just think, well, I don't want this show to be my last one, so I've got to make it sing. And the other big passion in your life is uh, Burnley, your hometown and yes. your football club. Were yes. your initial uh, pub experiences in Burnley? Pretty much, yeah, and they were massive as well. I mean, growing up, we did. There was no booze in our house growing up. My dad liked a pint, but he, he'd go out for one. It was the seventies. Don't forget. My mum would stay at home with us, and he'd go out and have a beer, and, and wander in. Or if he, if he wasn't working, he had about three jobs at the time to try and keep us all. But we only got booze out at Christmas. We had a metal tray with legs that folded down, and it was the most exciting time of my life. I was only about nine or ten, so there's Advocar on it and a bottle of Coke, and best of all which I think every pub should have, a little segmented nut tray. So you'd have salted peanuts, raisins, salted peanuts, raisins, quality street, salted peanuts, raisins going round with a tangerine plonked in the middle. So that that was my Christmas. So there was no sneaky, but the, the first booze I think I ever had was a sherry at my grandma's and I hated the thing. Um, so I, well, I, I, wasn't, I, was, I didn't grow up with booze, don't know about you two, but at 17, wow, I made up for it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I was I was dating from about 15 and then at 17 I just thought all my mates are going out they're doing things they're talking about things I want to do and that was it so 17 or so I started going in pubs and, and that was it and, and my social life in Burnley with the mates I still have now by the way from say from 17 to 21 definitely was just going round and round and round and round the same pub seven nights a week and I'm, it was great because you could get up for work the next day and you didn't even you didn't realize you'd been out there was not a problem whatsoever now i can't do two days on the bounce wow what are the pubs of burnley like um well there's a famous clip on youtube of danny dyer i think i think his words are i'm bricking it as he's in a taxi <laughs> got, got into one of them it might have been it might have been the woodman there there, there was a bit of everything you know because i grew up in a town next door called nelson and so there were at least there were at least five discotheques in Nelson. I mean, Nelson had a population of 20,000, five discos. That was fantastic in itself. There must have been 20 pubs. So we just go around most of them on a, on a night, you know. And, you, 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 you know, if you were looking to try and chat up girls, you knew the kind of pubs where you'd find the classier girls. You knew the pubs to avoid. You knew the pubs you didn't want to play at pool that week. It was, It's a very small pond I grew up in, and I still live where I grew up, and I still see the same 
nice. people from that pond. You don't know Christian Madden, do you? He plays Keys and Liam Gallagher's band from Burnley. Uh, no, I didn't know. And, I, and <laughs> yeah. I didn't know he did that. Oh, no, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Robin, that's someone else in Burnley who who will uh, supersede me on the famous Burnley fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's really interesting because when, when you said that thing about your dad never drank at home, that's Christian's big thing. Like He doesn't drink at home at all. It's only in the pub. I wondered if that was like a... Burnley thing. <laughs> it, uh, it probably is because I, I certainly, first of all, when I first got my own place, drank tea, cups of tea at night and everything. It was only when I moved to fancy London for, for four years in the 80s that I started having a, a bottle of Piador in the <laughs> evening. <laughs> Le Piador. <laughs> yeah. Le, Le, Le Piador, shaped like a tear. Was it blue and red? It was, it was one of those. Anyway, no, it was Piador. That's when I started drinking in the evening. That's when I started going out after work with the newspaper men and women drinking. And that's and that's when it all began. Something I've curtailed only recently, really. I, 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 it's not unknown in the Livesey household for me to have a gin and tonic in bed at night. But for the past five years or so, I have. Uh, I've, it's hot chocolate now. Mid midweek, I don't touch it. I can't really imagine a more boozy work environment than journalism in London in the eighties and nineties. Could you talk us through like a regular day? Well, all the cliches are true. I I had to discipline someone once because he did the he did the old trick of bringing two jackets to work, leaving one on the back of his chair so he could spend two hours in the pub in the afternoon, and we'd all think he'd just gone to the toilet. There was all that going on. I had to I had to try and persuade sub editors that drinking six pints at lunchtime wouldn't be helpful for their copy output in the afternoon, but they just didn't see it that way. These were the hangovers from nineteen seventies Fleet Street where. You know, what, what one artist one day brought out a can of lager and put it on his desk while he drew pictures for the newspaper. It was a, it was that I, I got the back end of that culture. We were smoking in the office, and I smoked like a trooper for about five or six years. I absolutely used to love that, by the way. Um, I'm glad it doesn't happen in pubs now. But you know, we I, I was the architect, so I was. If you imagine my first ever newspaper, we had these upright Victorian typewriters. You see them in antique shops now, along with pews. And so I'd be, I'd be typing on there with a fag hanging out my mouth. And if I got an exclusive, I was very excited. I'd have a drag of my fag, then put it on the, on the spike that we put the stories we weren't going to run. And the fag would just burn away there while I wrote the exclusive. It was heady times. But booze, booze played a big part, yeah. And it played a big part in my life, so I can't shy away from that. From 17, definitely. Mon- Monday night, I played for a, a local pool team. So we'd go around any pub that that would have us in the league. Tuesday, it was the City Limits. That was a pub in Burnley. Um, uh, where where they had a disco in the basement, which is one of my big loves. I love a disco in the basement. Quite a few of the pubs where I lived had that. Wednesday, basically all of them. And Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I went to a pub called The Tracks, uh, under which was the, the disco underneath the station hotel in Nelson. Beautiful times, happy days. I guess when people look back to that culture now, they probably view it through ne- very negative lens. Judgmental, like, absolutely. But yeah. I bet alcohol played... A really useful role at times and you have fond memories of it you know if you're interviewing someone or you're you know trying to get a story or you're just got that camaraderie after a hard week you know working all hours to sort of change stuff before printing deadlines it must have been quite a positive force at times as well yeah, the, the reason I don't shy away from it, I've never touched anything else. I can say that on here, no, knowing that no one ever in, in life can contradict me. I've never done drugs, wouldn't know where to find them, not interested. It's For me, it's just alcohol or nothing, and it always has been. So I know the strength of a pint, and that's it for me. But it, it was the... I mean, for example, I'll go back 1983, I first started on the local paper, the Nelson Leader, 
And any journalist who's had any formal training will know there's a form of shorthand. The most famous one is Pittman. But the one we did was T-Line. And I could teach people to do it in an hour. It's so simple. But the difference between T... This is technical but interesting. The difference between T-Line and Pittman is that Pittman requires lines on a page. T-Line is designed not to have lines on a page, i.e., and this was the example I was given, if you're in a pub and you've got a story, you can rip the back off a beer mat and, and, and voila, there is your story. And I did that countless times because the best stories were always found either in a pub talking to a punter or going into a pub. And I'd used to do this all the time. You were given a pitch. I went every pub in that pitch just talking to the landlords what's been going on and you've got your best stories in there. The, you know, I suppose the hairdressers would, would be the same if I'd have, I'd have had the courage to walk into a hairdresser, but the pub was easy. And there you go. Culture, straight away. And, I, and, I, and it was a culture I felt familiar in and I, and I belonged. And because there were only a few of us as well, you know, that's where people met their partners. That's where people met their friends for life. And it, it sounds insular. It almost sounds League of Gentlemen. <laughs> but mm-hmm. now, I, now I talk about it. But I'm really proud of my upbringing. Bringing, and... and the people I met in those pubs are, are, are the people I still love and trust now, and there, and there you go. Oh, you're really making me want to be a local journalist of the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's the greatest time. 1983 to 86 on the uh, the Nelson Leader it was, and I was just taught. And, and, you know, John, you talked very kindly about my skills on the radio. That's where I honed everything, just talking to punters. People like yourself, there was no judgment, never felt myself superior in life at all ever in fact probably i have an inferiority complex that i try to hide but and so just treat everyone like you treat yourself is or you'd want to be treated yourself the cliches are true because they are i've never really sort of guess thought of a landlord as perfectly placed to be hearing all the local news but that must be all they hear Exactly that. Mm. And, you know, and, and people might say, well, all they'll hear is a bit of gossip. But that's the job of the journalist then to decipher between the gossip and what's a good story. And often the gossip can be a good story. Anything, I, 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 I'm not a snob about news. Anything you didn't know two minutes ago is news. You know, it's as simple as that. And that, 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 I tell you what, sorry, that feeds into my presentation is that I love drive because one minute you can be talking about the most serious subject ever, then the next minute, as we were doing today, you know, somebody who, who had a buzzard in the back of his car. And, and, and I, I view, it's like a bus stop. Someone might tell you someone's dead, but then the next minute they'll say, did you watch uh, Strictly Come Dancing last night? And that's just life. It is. And the changing of tone between those two is one of the great skills of radio that you've got in absolute spades. Because it is hard if you're speaking to someone who has, I don't know, experienced violence or experienced life-changing illness to then look on your on your sort of running order and like, oh, God, i got the donkey that robbed the bank. <laughs> yes. yeah. But, you know, I do that because often some of the text punts we put out there are silly. And, and so so we, it's not a science, but the tone of the show, the, I, the one thing I abhor, and I don't abhor a lot because I haven't got the energy, but it's people who act the news. You, you've heard them yourselves, presenters who... Their voice changes. Now, this is very, very serious. Oh, this one's going to be sad, this story now. So I'm going to put this... I just... I am me, whatever the story is. And that way, the listeners begin to trust you and know that they're not going to have this fluctuation of emotion every two minutes. They can You can emote without having to act. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. That, that leads into a level tone, which I think people can buy into. Yeah, totally. And uh, if I'm meeting up a friend and I have bad news in my life and they ask me how things have been I, I don't mm. suddenly talk in a very <laughs> sad way yes you do 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Anyway, Tony, we need to start creating this. Uh, oh yes, this pub of yours. So first off, we've got two draft selections. What is it going to be, and where are they from? Well, uh, you, I think you can probably guess where we're going here because my my drinking experience were founded when I was young. But there's, there's loads of stories from around the world as well. But the, my first thing, right? The first thing ever when I was young, seventeen, eighteen, I couldn't afford pints, right? So I, d- I just did the usual thing that it became famous in my local pub of walking, half a lager in a pint glass. And so they pour they pour it in, and then the art was to swill it round the glass to make it look like you'd finished half your pint. And in that way, because I refused to be seen with a half pint glass, I've got very big hands, so it would have been like I don't know what it would have been like. I can't even find a metaphor for that, but you know what I mean. So I I, I tried to appear richer and more mature than I was by swilling me half pint. I am, but but I've remained the same on that taste. So it's it's going to be a draft lager, but it's it's generally lager of the day. So I'm ease I'm a marketing man's dream so at the moment i'm drinking moretti just because there seems to be a lot of that knocking around it could be peroni it could be stella just you know i've, I've moved away from the carlsbergs of this world because i do like some kind of hit from the drink i'm having um so but but I'm, I've, I've thought i'm so it's going to be a draft lager i'm going for Superbock, and the only reason i'm going for Superbock is because once a year i go away with my mates my old mates from burnley to portugal to the same village we've done it for the last 15 years and when i have a drink of Superbock, that is when i relax at the golf course I went to last year, which was Amanduera in Portugal, the bar had four different types of Superbock. <laughs> I've never heard of a different type of Superbock. I just thought it was all the same. No, so they had Superbock, they had Superbock Pale, they had Superbock Dark, 
and I can't remember what was the fourth one because I didn't drink any of it because I don't really like lager, but because they had Guinness, luckily. Thank oh, God. We'll come to that in a minute. I was doing a gig in Portugal once and backstage, instead of beers in the fridge, there was just a barrel of Superbock and a pump. Oh, my glasses. God. Beautiful. And a funnel. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. What's what's the other one? What's the other one? The other one they try and feed you in Portugal, but it's Sagres. 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 Yeah. yeah. I don't no. mind a Sagres. No, it doesn't do it for me, Sagres. Uh, so that's my first one. My second one was going to be Guinness because I'm fairly new to Guinness, you know, the last five, six years or so. But I, I do love a pint of Guinness. But I went to Cork a couple of years ago to see Rod Stewart. And uh, I asked for a pint of Guinness and I got the filthiest look I've ever had in my life. And they introduced me to Murphy's. Mm. I don't know if you've had a Murphy. So yeah. that was beautiful. The, the gig itself was fueled by Rod Stewart was, had, had had a few. Really? Uh, Celtic, Celtic, still going. Celtic still... had won some. Yeah, yeah. No, he's yeah. got. I had a Rod Stewart tribute at my fortieth. Actually, I'm a big, oh, nice. I'm a big Rod fan. Yeah, I kind of like Rod at the moment. He's quite nice. You know, he's ringing into the news, wasn't he? At some point recently, rang into Sky. He can laugh at himself. And yeah, I, yeah, I find that an important characteristic. So we'd we'd had a few Murphys during the day, and we were on the same row as Paul Lancaster, his partner. And I, we were edging out, so we beat the traffic. And as we went past her, I, I'd had a few, and I just said, Paula. You're a very lucky woman, and moved on. <laughs> and I'll never forget the look on her face. But I do, em- I do envy her because I wouldn't mind a- not a night with Rod Stewart, you know, in the biblical sense. But you know, mind a few nights out with him. That would be some night out. I bet he knows all the places in London and stuff. So my two graphs, gl- drafts are, are lager and Guinness. What about the the receptacle? Because when I first started drinking on on the football, there were all these wobbly glasses. So I don't. Oh know. yeah, if you want to stipulate your receptacle, that's great. I'll have my lager in a wobbly glass. What do you mean by really? wobbly glass? My plastic one. Well, it's a plastic one, but with a bit of give. So, okay. so you know, so you've, it's a bit of a, a test of stamina, a bit Krypton Factor-esque, that whether you keep the whole lager in as you're drinking it. So one of those ones that you can depress, if you grip it too tight, it sort yes. of presses in. Mm. Yes. And that Murphy's in just a, a classic glass. Yeah. yeah, although I do enjoy the Guinness game. That's what I'm trying to play recently. You know, when you swig, the, you've got to get the Guinness line oh, down between, between the, the E. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that, that that but I can't I can't consume that much liquid in one go, so I've given oh, up on that. Yeah. I went to the pub and I had a drink with my friend. It was really nice. The pub was called The Moon Underwater. Well, next we move on to bottles and or cans. Well, I know, so I can't be too prescriptive. I can't say a bottle of Chateau Lafitte, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, you can. Oh, can I? Well, yeah. uh, all I want, so I know, but I don't want that. I want a bottle of dry rosé, okay? And the only reason I ask for that is I do like a rosé uh, with a bit of ice in it. But I went into a, a pub just this weekend and, I, and they had about four rosés behind the bar. And I said, I want a dry rosé. Which one's the dry one? And he looked at me, put both hands on the bar and said, I've absolutely no idea. <laughs> and then didn't move, just looked at me like that. <laughs> such a cheerful disregard for the customer. So then I had to guess. So then I said, well, I'll have that pale one there. And it wasn't. Then he arrumphed, I wanted my money back. And then he, eventually we nailed it down, but, which was an education for him. Mm. Uh, so just a nice dry rosé was that can I do I have to specify if you've got one in mind we yeah we prefer people to be specific okay I could to to try and 
make it appear that I'm I am not Rothschild, I could say a bottle of Kylie, which I don't mind from Sainsbury's. This is the, your dream pub. Go crazy. There's no cost. All right, I, I'm going straight for the Whispering Angel then. Yeah, I knew it was, it was a Whispering Angel. Yeah, well, angel. come on. I don't know. There's <laughs> posher ones than that, but I don't know them. Uh, so I'm going. Popular for choice of the Moon Underwater. Yeah. Well. Yeah, it's it's all right. I, the, I had some. I went to Portugal recently. Uh, not Portugal. Where did I go? I went to the Canary Islands. I went to Madeira, and had some lovely rosés there. Actually, which uh, as soon as you're educated, you know different, don't you? But you're told Whispering Angels the one, and it's the most expensive. And I'm that kind of idiot that just thinks it's expensive. It's the biggest, most expensive in Sainsbury's. It must be the best. You've got to treat yourself sometimes, Tony. I know. Sometimes Kylie is just not enough <laughs> for a lovely, <laughs> a lovely evening in. Uh, what would your second one be? Well, I, I went on a stag do to Edinburgh many years ago, which was fantastic with my mates, and where they dusted off a bottle of Sweetheart Stout from the, behind the bar, which was a really nice stout. Well, I've never had before or since, but and, and I say I had to dust it. But I'm going to go, guys, for Heineken Zero. Oh. Because I, I find it re, it's revolutionary. Because uh, what was the, the, when I was, whoa, what was the first alcohol-free beer when I was young? It was a Caliber. Caliber. Oh, it was horrendous. It and was I've, bad, wasn't it? I've never touched a drop since. So about a year ago, someone gave me a, a Heineken Zero when I was stuck on a day out, couldn't drive, uh, was driving, everyone else was drinking. And it was brilliant. It was mind-bending because mm. I felt I was on alcohol. It's nicer than Heineken, arguably. Yeah, well, th- that's a very good point, yeah. But chilled. And then I've subsequently I've had a Peroni Zero, and that's good. I've yet to have a Guinness Zero. I, I don't oh, it's great. Is it good? World. Is it? Yeah. It's exceptional. Yeah. Oh. Do you know? Oh, now I suppose I should talk about it when I go into spirits. While we're on the merits of zero drinks, so but yeah, well, I'm going to try a Guinness Zero actually. We love um, a, a non-alcoholic drink here at the Moon Underwater. I would say of all of them, Guinness Zero is the one where my jaw has hit the floor on draft from a can. Oh, I don't do Guinness in a can. Do you do Guinness in a can when they shake it up on that thing? Or what yeah, or just doing? the draft cans you get to have at home are fantastic. Oh. Um, as I've said before, sometimes better poured than I've had in, in London. I thought you were going to say Dublin then or somewhere legit. But uh, no, no, no. I've, uh, I'd much rather a room temperature can of Guinness at home than a, a freezing cold pint of Guinness poured by some fool in a all bar one where you've got about two foot between the, uh, the glass and the tap. Yeah, and they pour it all at once as well. I've seen people do that, which is just like... Uh... Slap down the little um, little lever, walk off, yeah. do the thing at the till, come back, you're foam in the head. When, <sighs> when I was in Cork having the Murphys, I, I literally could have gone for another weekend break between the first pour and the second. They left it for so long. <laughs> I was like, have you forgotten mm. me? Hello. Uh, which I, th- I thought was brilliant, really. Okay, so we've got Whispering Angel yes. and Heineken Zero. Yes. I'm liking this, Tony. I'm liking this a lot. We've got, mm. uh, so far, half a Superbock in a wobbly plastic pint glass. Yes. Swilled. <laughs> Reminds me, there's an episode of Bottom where Eddie orders a pint of mild in a half pint glass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's it. Uh, Murphy's, yes. uh, which I think has perhaps only been chosen once before here. It's not ah. often we get a Murphy's. And then the old uh, HZ and the WA. Superb selection so far, but we must, we must, we must head over to the lovely Robin Alder for this week's Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down, it's time for the quiz. 
made for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger, that wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey have been deducted five points. Thank you, John. Tony, uh, are you a fan of the pub quiz? Yes, I don't. I don't mind a pub quiz. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind. I don't. I, I get embarrassed thinking of the name. I'm too self-conscious. You know, when you've got to think of a weird, a weird name. Oh yeah. Um. So I prefer. I, I prefer Team A, Team B. If that's all right. Nice. That's good. Yeah, we went through a phase of having quite weird names. I think one. Was it Crufts we did one time, John? Yeah, there was Ken Dodd's dad's dog's dead. Oh yeah, Ken Dodd's quite. A... Oh, that's a classic. Yeah. I did Spain once, just the country of Spain. You know, you mentioned bottom that 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 pub quiz scene in Phoenix Nights. You know, you oh, know when yeah, they play the theme, good, yeah. the theme, and everyone goes the take song, my yeah. Breath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. Well, this week's pub quiz, we're talk abouting rivers. I will name a town or city, and you have to tell me which river flows I'm through crap it. Crap on rivers. You're crap on rivers, are you, John? Oh, Fergal Sharky will be after you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, good. The river is within us. The sea is all about us. T.S. Eliot, uh, for which I think he meant, let's have a quiz about rivers. So question one is uh, Istanbul. So we'll do the answers in uh, part two. So let's, let's uh, make some notes. Istanbul. Uh, question two is Florence under the Ponte Vecchio. And question three is Carmarthen. John's looking at me there. Um, it's quite. It's 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 the longest. I, th- I think it's one of the longest rivers that's just in Wales, if not the longest. So it's quite a famous river. Anyway, there you go. Those are your three rivers. Is it just the three rivers? Is it three rivers? Yeah. Mm. I mean, there are probably other rivers in these cities. I'm talking about the main one. You know. What oh, I, mean? I know what you mean, mate. Main river. Yeah, Carmarthen's a town, not a city as well. But anyway. It's good to have a quiz master who's putting little like asterisks and stuff and <laughs> clarifying the questions like that. Okay, Three Rivers. <laughs> Not a bad name for a pub, the Three Rivers. Mm. We will be back with you very shortly, folks. But just a reminder to head over to moonunderpod.com to find other episodes, to follow us on social media, but also to gain access to our Patreon offering, where you get advanced ticket access for live events. You also get our bonus podcast, Behind the Cellar Door, and you also get ad-free episodes and just sort of a general sense of well-being, I've found, amongst our Patreons. Yeah. But we'll be back with Tony Livesey very shortly. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, it's William and Jordan here from Help, I Sexted My Boss. And on Tuesday, our show at the London Palladium will be streamed live into cinemas. So if you want an evening full of laughs and outrageous problems and dilemmas, then come along and join us on the big screen. 
Health as Sex and My Boss live is showing everywhere and everyone's welcome. Go to sexatmyboss.com slash cinema to get your tickets now. That's sexatmyboss.com slash cinema.